This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Kat Nichols is a youth soccer coach that you probably have a lot in common with. She understands what it's like to meticulously plan a practice and then have three or four players not show up. She knows what it's like to communicate openly and honestly with parents about their children. And she, like you, is always on the hunt for high-quality coaching education. So in this episode, Kat and I discuss her embracing of struggle and why she feels like it is important for everyone to do the same. We also discuss areas that she is currently trying to improve in as a coach, which was a very open and honest moment. I appreciate her for for opening up right there. And we also discuss her twist on one of 343's staple exercises, which we call attacking patterns. And just a reminder that this episode and all of the episodes of the 343 podcast are supported by and funded by the members of the coaching education programs and specifically the premium membership available at 343coaching.com. Kat and over 3,000 other smart soccer coaches have already taken advantage of the head start that the 343 coaching education programs provide. If you are not already a member, you are getting left behind. You can learn more about all of the benefits of the 343 Coaching membership and help support this podcast by visiting 343coaching.com. All right, short, quick, easy intro for today's episode. I really hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Coach Kat Nichols. Good morning. How are you? Or afternoon. I don't know. Is it good um, morning or afternoon? <laughs> it's like mid-morning. It's like 11. So it's not really afternoon yet. Got it. But it's not really morning either. Like, I don't really know what you classify this as. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with morning because I'm still drinking coffee. Okay, deal. That works. Okay. FYI, it's recording. So don't say anything that can be used against you in the court of law. Oh, have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, if there, I, I don't foresee us getting any sticky topics, but if there's anything that we can't talk about, just let me know and I can go back and edit it out. Um, okay. I think that's all I got for my disclaimer. Got it. All good? Yeah. Okay. Let's roll. I'm pulling up your Twitter right now because I'm, uh, oh, I have some stuff I want to ask you about. Okay. <laughs> and I guess I want to start with, uh, a thank you because you've you've over the last I don't know year or two years I I can't remember exactly how long I've been seeing your name pop up in my feed. You've been a big supporter of my podcast and I, and, and I really appreciate it and and you've been really good at sharing some episodes that are interesting to you and and yeah I just want to say thank you so we'll start there I guess. Well, you're welcome. I love it. It's it's um they they kind of teach me like I just got into the whole podcast world and. I never really liked listening to other people talk, but 
I kind of found my groove <laughs> with one of your podcasts and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And like, there's so much you can learn from listening to other people's story. And it kind of helps you question and like defend why you believe what you believe. And maybe you change some things coaching wise because you've heard something from a different point of view that you never really saw it. So thank you for putting that out there. Like, I wouldn't like, I don't think some of us coaches would be coaches. We are, if we didn't have other people that we can listen to and learn from on a daily basis. So thank you for doing it. Yeah. It's my pleasure. Um, and I guess a big reason for wanting to talk to you is to kind of get an idea of, you know, what you're looking for when it comes to coaching education, because, and I don't, you know, I, I've thought about this, like how, how I can say this without sounding like a jerk or demeaning or anything, but it's like, we're just regular coaches. And I, I put right. myself in this category too. It's like, you know, I, I'm not a professional coach. I'm not a college coach. You know, I'm just a regular youth soccer coach. And so I always try to look at it through, through that lens. And so I'm always curious to interview another coach to see what, you know, they are looking for. So I'm really curious to, to kind of pick your brain and, and find out what your experiences are like and what types of information you're looking for and, and things like that. So maybe it, it, the first question would be like, you know, what type of coaching education are you interested in? It's kind of a broad question, but. It is. It, that's a, I think it's a good question because I don't, really know that there's a specific answer to be honest like I just want to learn as much as I can and I want to be challenged as a coach to get outside of what I'm comfortable with like I'm pretty comfortable with like the technical side of the game and teaching kids how to dribble and pass and move a ball and hit a long ball and for me it's the tactical side and reading like in-game situations which is something I struggle with and I know it's a struggle of mine so I work try to work daily at least on how to correct it like in a game and you're playing 4-3-3 versus 4-3-3 all of a sudden the other coach drops to a 3-5-2 or some other formation how do you adjust tactically or if they send numbers forward and they play with more numbers going forward like how do you adjust tactically your players to understand and do that but like I see it and I know like okay he just changed but how do I communicate with my players? Hey, this is how we need to change and adjust. Because I don't, I don't know if you train that. Like, how do you train that? Or do you just build their soccer knowledge so that you can adjust on the fly and you can tell them in a game, like, hey, my number six, you got to drop back and you got to hold and be a deeper number six. Or we can push numbers forward and do this. But how do you make them understand that? Because I find in some games, when it does happen and you can correct it, you try to coach your players to do it, but their understanding of it, they kind of get confused. Like, how do you do that? What do you do? So that would be for me, like, how do we get as a coach? How do I better myself in tactical adjustments? But how do I do that? Explaining it to my players, because I, if you understand it, like I can watch games online and on TV and be like, oh, well, they dropped to this formation. So this is what I would do which is great. Like I know it in my head because I've been around the game since I was four and I'm still around it. But how do you teach a 16 year old girl? Hey, you need to do this and we need to press here. We need to drop that low line of pressure and they understand it in the flow of the game without being like, wait, what are you talking about? So that for me would be a pretty big learning moment. I think that I need, for me, I need to adjust and learn how to do better at. That's such an interesting point. And it's, you know, at this point, 
people are gonna feel like I'm I'm just beating a dead horse, but you know, <laughs> I've referred back to the interview I had with Michael Perkins and I've interviewed Joey Cassio a number of times and, and we've talked about this topic frequently, but you know, recording yourself and 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 hearing hearing yourself giving the instruction, I think is very, very important. And, and w- the way mm-hmm. that you phrased it, I think is very, um, very important as well. So it's like, you've been around the game since you were four and, you know, you've gone through coaching education, you sit and you watch games online and on TV, but your players don't have that, you know, experience right. and, and, and they don't watch the game with the same eye that you do. So when you tell them to do something that, you know, makes sense to you, the the way that you say it, the language that you use, the tone, how you use your hands, like all, like all of that is pretty important to to how they're going to interpret that. And a lot of times I think coaches think that, you know, what they said is very, very easy to understand. But if you were to listen back to that advice yourself, you'd be like, oh shit, like, that, that actually makes <laughs> zero sense. So how, right. how can I improve my message? And I've really been trying to encourage people to, to, to consider, you know, even just holding your iPhone in your hand as you're, as you're coaching and, and then listening to the audio as you drive home from practice or something like that, like that, it can pay huge dividends. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't it, gotten to the record practice point. I, we just started recording like game film. And I've been going back and watching like game film and I'm like, oh, that's what I should have done. Like <laughs> seeing it on the other side. And I, I'm getting to the point where I want to start on rain out days instead of we don't practice. Like now we have game film, like, let's go look at it. Let's see it from the bird's eye view, which I think is huge for players, especially nowadays who don't necessarily watch the game because they have so many other things that they do besides like just engulf themselves in soccer. So if we as coaches can take that moment instead of canceling practice, if it's raining and your fields are closed, can you find a place to go watch game film? Cause it's just as important for us as coaches as it is for players to see themselves play. So that they know the players are gonna be like, Oh, I didn't do that. And you're like, yeah, you, you did actually. <laughs> and for them to like, see it and you can be like, this is what I was talking about. I think those are good teachable, coachable, learnable moments for all of our players. I just don't think we necessarily do it enough at the youth level, at least where I am, like we don't do it enough at our level. Absolutely. Which is not, a bad yeah. love. You know, one of the things that I did when I was coaching um, high school girls soccer was we, we recorded every single game. I had a very, very generous parent, Pete Dugarin. He, I, I don't know if he still listens to this podcast now that his daughter's done with soccer, but um, he recorded every single game and he, he did a great job of getting me the footage the night of. And so the first thing that I would do when I got home was watch, watch the game. And after I watched the game, then I would go back and I would edit out clips that I wanted to show the girls. And I took the approach of showing them all of the good moments. Mm -hmm. And the psychology behind that was, Hey, I want to, I want you guys to see yourself doing this stuff, knowing that you guys can do it and we need to do more of it. And so I would, I would frequently compare, um, you know, to top level examples, Barcelona, Spain, like all, all kinds of people um, or all kinds of teams that were playing the way that we were trying to play as well. And so I would take like the 10 or 15 moments where we kept possession for 15 or 20 passes and I would show that to them. And I, yeah. would, I would show them, you know, the, the little combinations that they, that they had, like the little giving goes and, and, and the things that re- reflected the examples that we were trying to mimic. 
And I never, right. I never really spent too much time on the bad stuff. And so, the, the, yeah, the psychology behind that was like, hey, you know, you're more than capable of doing this. Here's what it looks like when you do it. Let's do more of it. Right. And I feel, yeah, like, no, it, I feel like it worked. I don't know, you know, if that's right or wrong. Some, somebody that's in, you know, well-versed in psychology might be, you know, shaking their head with their, with their hand on their forehead right now. <laughs> But, you know, I, I feel like it worked and I feel like the girls responded to it. And that was that was our little way of, of starting practice the next day. You know, it was more like a regeneration day uh, after after game day. And so we would always start with like 10 or 15 minutes of video. Um, and, and we would do the same thing, like you mentioned, on on rainouts or on, on days that we took off. We, we wouldn't just take off. We would you know, spend 30, 45 minutes watching video. I think it's super important. Um, mm mm-hmm. I, I want to get a feel for for what environments you're working in, though, too, because it, it's so funny. People that follow this podcast, they're they're probably also well aware that um, I interview people that I don't know much about, which I think is very fun. <laughs> um, and and I don't I don't know much about you or the environment that you work in, so I'm very curious to learn a little bit more about you and and this person that's been retweeting my podcast episodes for a while now. Um, but yeah, tell tell me a little bit about you know the age group that you're working with, the environment that you're working with, and 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 your coaching, yeah, maybe your coaching background. Alabama, and we have the the club I'm with is one of the two kind of major clubs in our area. Like our rival club is the Big ECNL club, and then my club I have uh, my U seven, no, they're U eighteen. Sorry, U eighteen girls. Um, are the region premier league national league level and then my u15 girls are that level as well to region league and then my o6s so u13s they're just normal state league like transitioning in to the 11 aside game for the first year um, so i kind of get my feet in a little bit of everything kind of because i've got the group that's coming from that 99 and i get to teach them how to play 11 v 11 just in our state league which we get some pretty competitive games but we're also playing um us and a group from atlanta created a different league um that we play so we go over to atlanta and atlanta comes to us and we play like the concords and the top hats on we play them like twice a home and away so it kind of gives us a little bit more competition, a little bit stronger competition, which has kind of been good to see, like, especially for the younger ones, like, hey, this is what we're training y'all to do. They're going to be good. You just got to work with it. And every game, like, they're seeing a little bit more success, a little bit more success. And then for the older ones, it's just the daily grind of competition. So we have some pretty, pretty strong competition. And then we have some where we go in and we can see a little bit more success. Um, so it's kind of a, a mixture of everything. I've got some higher level teams and then we play, and then I have my O6s who are a little bit younger that I get to like transition and teach, which is also fun. What, what is the training environment like for your older group? I'm curious about that. You guys training, uh, two days a week, three, four or five days a week. And, and tell me a little bit about the practice space that you guys are able to utilize. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. We train all three of my teams train three nights a week for an hour and a half. And then we get like a whole half field. Um, so I have on a big field, both groups, all three groups get a half of a big field of a 120 by 80. 
um, which is good depending on things we're working on. Um, and I know in your podcast that I listened to with David, you are talking about like using certain space, like when you want to work on certain things, like building out of the back, you can't put the big goal at half field because you that's not realistic to the game. And like building or into the attack, I did a lot of attacking patterns last week preparing two of my oldest two teams for state cup and I just asked the coach next to me like hey do you mind if I start a little bit beyond the half line and kind of invade your space and he's like yeah we're working on corners you can come as far back as you need so it's it's cool in our club environment because our coaches like we're we really are like a big family and I love it because we all kind of have each other's back like hey I need to work on this today do you mind if I sneak into your half for the first 30 minutes and then I can shift back or there's some nights we have rain outs at our grass fields, but we have a turf complex. So we'll have to split and like, we'll get like a fourth of the field, but depending on what you're working on, like I'll just text the coach that I'm sharing with like, Hey, I've got to work on defending corners today. Do you mind if I have the 18 and in, and you take like the other part instead of splitting it straight down the middle. Um, so it kind of works that way. And then I try to create a super, like competitive environment, but make it fun. Like everything is somewhat of a competition. So I've taken the three, four, three attacking patterns. And instead of doing it, like coming up both sides, I'll do like my right side, it, my more right side focused players on one team versus my left side focused players on the other. And it's like a competition to see who can score goals because I've, I've found it like going through pattern play like that. They want, it's good for a while, but they, they need that competition. So finding ways to make it compete, but it helps when you have a whole half of a field to kind of start from, to go with. So we have plenty of space. I feel like we get a lot accomplished. At least I hope we do. I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you threw in your twist on the attacking patterns. Cause that's very, very important for people to hear. And it's something that we, maybe we don't, we don't say loud enough, but it's like, Hey guys, like, you know, here's this framework, um, guys and girls, sorry. Um, <laughs> here's this framework for you guys to follow, but make it your own. Like put, like put, right. your per put your personality into it. It you're the artist. Like th yeah. this is your canvas. We just want to give you some tools or, or, or like a palette to work with. And then you have to take it and make it your own. And every environment's going to be a little bit different depending on your personality, the the field that you have to work with, the players, everything. Like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of variables, right? And and I love right. I love hearing that you know you took an idea and put your own twist on it. I'm I'm, I'm very very um yeah I've. I've I, I'm trying to think in my head if, if anybody's ever spoken about that on the podcast before. I don't, and I can't think of a time that they have. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy that you brought that up. Um, when, when did, when did you realize that, like that was the right thing to do? I don't know if that's a good question or not, but like, like when did you realize that you had to put your own flavor on it? Cat, are you there? Really stagnant and players get unfocused. How do I make this fun and entertaining and competitive and like drive them to like concentrate on the first touch? Because when you don't really have pressure, they can kind of get away with not having the best first touch or not receiving with the lead foot and then kind of get away with it. 
But when you put them in that environment where like, if, all right, first team that everybody gets, this side gets five balls, this side gets five balls, whoever wins, wins, and you make it competitive. Now they're driving themselves like receive across your body. You got to have a better first touch, take it this direction. And so I just kind of was like, how do I do this? I was like, well, let's try and see what happens. And it worked. And I was like, okay, now I know how to do it this way, but it may not work for like my younger group. I did that with my two older groups just to give them something to compete for. So I don't know if it works with youngers. I just kind of experiment, but I literally have been doing y'all's attacking patterns for seven years now. And this is the first time in seven years. I was like, Oh, let's make it competitive. Like I got to find something to do. How can we do it? And it's kind of been a question I've been asking other coaches and they're like, well, you know, like just try to drive them your energy, this, and like, there's gotta be something else. And it works. Like I had a red team versus a yellow team and they were like cheering and yelling for each other. And one goalkeeper defended the reds, while the other goalkeeper defended for the yellows and they were all getting into it. And it, it was great. And Kate, we came into state cup this weekend and I, the few girls that had just gotten subbed out, they were like, yo, Coach Cat. And I was like, yes, what you got? They're like, we just did that attacking pattern thing and we scored <laughs> and it worked. How did you do that? I was like, I, I didn't do anything. Like, I just gave you the tools and y'all did it. You just got to know you can do it. And they're like, that was cool. Let's do it again. I was like, yes, I got them. I got them. We can do it again. Attacking patterns are now fun. That's so awesome to hear. And people are going to think that I, you know, that I scheduled this interview as like a, like a fluff piece now <laughs> that like, like you're, <laughs> that you're like an advocate of, of all the stuff that, that we subscribe to. But, you know, I really want to just tell people we didn't exchange anything, but maybe two or three messages and, and Correct. agreed on, agreed on a time and we didn't talk about <laughs> any topics or anything. So, um, I think, I think this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm super interested in this. Um, I, I want to know more about the reactions from your players. You you kind of said right now that that they're noticing that these things are 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 happening in games. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of their questions or 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 what are some of their reactions to this type of material during training? Are are you noticing any patterns in in their question asking or or in their you know in their behavior at practice when you guys are doing or training the attacking patterns? Um, sometimes they're, it's that, oh, we have to do this again, but when they see success with it and like, they know that they did that, like when our outside back overlapped and we got into the attack and we scored and they were like, oh my gosh, it works. Like they're, they asked me, Hey, can we do them again? And I was like, okay, well, my challenge is like, well, we can do them again and we can train the same ones, but how can I put some kind of twist on it and it's more there most of their questions are like position like specific like if my I'm big on like my outside back and my outside forward not being on the same vertical plane because I don't want them flat but their questions are like how do I know when to go here how do I know when to make this run so like it's worth teaching them to read the pattern as it's developing and then like when I put them against defenders they're like well it, it's not the same I'm like well it's not going to look the same like they're guidelines it's like you're painting abstract like we're not coloring by numbers like number one doesn't mean we use the red crown and number two the blue crown like you just what develops like this is the concept but 
if this happens, you can go here or you can go here or you can go here. There are three options. Pick one. And so it's more of the like, how do I read the game questions that I get the most of? Like if I'm an outside back and I'm not necessarily involved in the quote unquote pattern, like you still have to be involved in the play. Like you can't just space out because you're not the one making the overlapping run at that point in time. Like how are you going to get involved and how are you going to support? So those are the kind of questions I've been getting. Like, where do I go? How am I involved? What can I do? Well, now we have defenders that runs not on anymore. What do I do? And I try, sometimes I give them the answer and sometimes I play like 50 questions with them. I'm like, okay, well, the defender's there. What do you see? Well, I don't know. Well, yes, you do. What do you see? Like, tell me what you see. So it becomes those one-on-one conversations, which I find is pretty awesome to have with players because it's a, it makes it a more personable, personal moment with that player and a more engaging moment with that player where you can play those 50 questions with them. Like, I don't love giving them the answer every time. Like, okay, well, here's an option. Here's an option. Here's an option. Which do you feel more comfortable with? What do you think is the better option? Which I find, I love that. I love when they ask questions, but I also love flipping it back on them to make them think. Cause sometimes kids are just given the answer and they never have to process and think when we do those kind of things. So I think that's pretty fun. I love it. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, and it and it leads, I guess, to the idea or the you know the topic of guided discovery and mm-hmm. how misinterpreted that notion is. Like, I I think that a lot of people think that guided discovery is to just do that all of the time, like to just right. you know let the kids play and let them figure out. Uh, the solutions to their problems and, and not always giving them the answer or, or never giving them the answers. But it, it's like, it, it's time and place, I think is, is the best use of, of the guided discovery. And, and the way right. that you just described it was like, okay, you know, here's the framework that we're working within, which is the attacking pattern. And, you know, here's the options that are set up or that we want to, uh, that we want to work within. And now the guided part is how can you as a coach get them to understand those options and then choose the right answer given the situation. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that, that the guided discovery conversation is just so just, it's misinterpreted. I don't, I don't know a better way to describe it. It's just, it's so misunderstood. And there's so many people that are, you know, you know, on polar opposite ends of that discussion that I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm, I, I don't even like talking about it to be honest, but. <laughs> hey. Hey, sorry, I don't know what just happened. Yeah, uh, I got a message that said call failure, but it, it had kind of dropped out twice while you were talking before, so I'm wondering, if, I don't know if it's my connection, but um, I don't know. Let's we'll just keep going. Okay, we'll roll. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I might edit out that last part, because I don't like talking about guided discovery. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so t- tell me a little bit about, you know, some, well, let me see how I want to ask this. Let me think okay. for just a second. Yep. Tell me about some 
problems or struggles that you encounter as a coach on a regular basis? Um, I know it's a broad question again. Sorry. It's okay. I feel like there's, um, that's, I feel like there's a couple I could go different ways with this, but one big thing that I've kind of been hit with lately is like the multi-sport athlete and the student athlete, like making them, I have a bunch of girls that either they played volleyball at the beginning of season or they play basketball now and we're still rolling. Like our season's still going. We, we've got eight games left. We have a big college showcase coming up. Um, but those, how do you time manage and balance like those players that are going to basketball practice, which is great. Like I was a multi-sport athlete too. I totally understand, but how do you manage them playing basketball? But for, I don't know why school's gotten so much crazier, but their workload in school is like, crazy compared to when I went in school back in like the stone age it I just don't know the best way to like manage or have those conversations with parents players what the right approach is because we'll have 17 players on a roster but I end up with 10 at practice because of basketball or volleyball or this I've got all of this homework which I understand school comes first but how do we manage and time balance and time manage and all of those kind of things which has been for me a big struggle like I know it's kind of part of what we deal with I don't know how it is in other states other areas I was a multi-sport athlete too so I know I know it can be done I just don't know what the right way to do it is because I wasn't like a yay school I love school I was like I want to play sports I can do school later so I don't know what the best answer is and the best resolve um, is for that it's been a big kind of pondering question probably the biggest one I faced this, coming into this year like how do I handle that as a coach what are the precedents set like before season but then as season rolls on things come up like a basketball because we didn't think it was going to interfere but now it interferes like what do you do that's probably the little bit on the field struggle I have right now with teams and players so, um... It's a topic that I think a lot of coaches are familiar with. I think some, you know, some some of the people listening right now are like nodding along, like, yeah, like I experienced that too. And it's a conversation that I feel like we typically avoid as yeah. you know a, a soccer a soccer nation. And and the scapegoat or the e the easy button is is to just be like, yeah, like let all the kids explore and 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 try all these different sports, and and you never really enter the conversation of is club soccer the right place for that player? You know, if, right. be, because if they're not, if they're not willing to come to practice and they're, and they're willing to, to be on a roster of 17 or 18 players and they're willing to, to skip practice to go to something else. Well, that's a recreational player. I, 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 there's no other way to put it. Like that is a recreational player because you are treating this as recreation. Now you're not treating this as, com as, as a competitive thing to, to push each other, um, to to be the best in that environment. Now, can there be good recreational players? Absolutely. Like like there are there are plenty of you know very very talented recreational players, but that shouldn't you know th those players shouldn't hinder or or impact 
the the people that are willing to show up to every single practice and every single game and and want to you know better themselves and take this as far as they possibly can and and I feel like we avoid that conversation um like it's like it's the plague like you know when you go, go when you go into a bar and they say okay like there's two topics that are off limits religion and politics so it's like this is one of those things in in soccer it's like nobody wants to call out the fact that we have probably more recreational soccer players than club soccer players or competitive soccer players and, and we just miss uh or or are we um incorrectly identify uh, you know all those where those players fit in the 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 pyramid i use air quotes when i say pyramid but um yeah and 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 it is it is something that's you know difficult as a coach like when you have a practice plan i know that you're a planner because you're you're a duke brain fan so um yep. you know when you spend a couple hours as a coach writing out a training session for 15 to 18 players and and you get 12 well yeah that's a that's a pain in the ass Right. It's a completely different session that you have to run when you drop. Like, I know three, you're like, oh, it's only three players, but it really does make a difference when you're trying to do certain things that the team needs to work on. You plan for 15, 17, and all of a sudden 12 show up, and you're like, well, now I can't do it. Like, it, the numbers don't work out. So I kind of have to figure out on the fly how to get the same thing across, but almost run a completely different session. Do you have conversations with the parents about, like, about what, what type of environment you're trying to build because I feel like that's another area where we're a little bit um I don't know I, I'm trying to think of the right word can't think of it right now my brain's not on yet but you know we're 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 just not willing to engage with the parents about certain topics I guess too and and that that's kind of a a a, a weird zone like hey parents you know here's the reason why we need 15 to 18 players at training and if your player isn't willing to commit to that, or if you're not willing to commit your player to that, then you know maybe this isn't the right environment for you. And I know that's probably not the best way to present that to a parent, but I'm curious if you have any type of interactions like that with the parents or any type of education that you do with your, your group of parents or that comes from your club or, or things like that. Yeah, I, I have preseason parent meetings, um, and I have a pretty good relationship with most of my parents. like. I'll call them. They know that they can call me. We can talk through some things, but I kind of try to set the standard. Like, Hey, you've committed to us. You need to be here three days a week. Like there are some that like, Hey, I've got like one of my players was a kicker for the high school football team. They played on Monday nights and I was like, okay, well, can we get you an extra session in you're coming two out of the three days, but how do we get you another session to try to kind of counterbalance um, but I kind of try to walk that fine line of, I know you want to do both, but how can we work together to make it the best environment for the team as a whole? And so your child is getting what she needs out of it. Um, and there's a couple of times where like, Hey, we have basketball until six. I'm like, great. Our practice is at six fifteen. We need her there. And the parent would be like, okay, she'll be here, but they did <laughs> fitness today. Don't if she's sluggish like please don't get on to her which I'm not I'm not gonna like scream and yell at her like she is what she is but at least she's there and can understand what's going on even if it's not full force so I kind of feel like it's a give and take and 
the club is supportive with it. Like they understand, we all kind of understand this coaches staff, the coaching staff, like this is kind of the situation we're in the environment we're in, but to be open and honest with parents and like, Hey, let's work out some kind of plan. And like I had a girl that played volleyball in the fall. Well, her volleyball coach was a friend of mine from college. So I would just talk back and forth between the mom and the coach, the volleyball coach and myself, like, Hey, this is what we have this week. I need her for this. Can she play volleyball this game and then leave for her second game to come play with us? And like just having those open lines of communication has actually really helped. Um, there's obviously some where they're like, hey, we just can't miss basketball today. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But at the same time, like it is a little frustrating because you want your teams to be competitive and you want your practices to be competitive and you want to drive and push players. So the circumstances where they happen not to be there because of basketball, volleyball, homework, whatever it may be, it is kind of frustrating. But at least I know on the front end, like I have, they have to tell me by 12 o'clock if they're not coming to practice so that I can plan because I plan during what my like lunchtime. So if they don't tell me, I plan for them to be there. And then if they're not there, that's the conversation I call after practice. Like, hey, where were you? you need to let me know these things. I'm not happy about this because now I had to completely rearrange my training session because these players weren't there. So it's a, I think if you have the conversation on the front end, it kind of makes those little pocket conversations easier because the parents do understand and they do realize, but it's a being an open and honest without being like rude and soccer is the end all be all. And your child has to be there no matter what kind of give and take. I feel like there's got to be a, a little bit of a give and take, but you have to have standards in place at the same time, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It, it does make sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I've talked about it before on the podcast in, in a number of different episodes, I, I think now. Um, but it's it's having the right kind of relationship with your parents and how you can empower the parents and what type of information you give the parents will ultimately you know, help or hurt you in the long run. And, and so, uh, again, I think it's a, a spot where a lot of coaches, uh, have a lot of room to improve. We always have a lot of room to improve right. in, in a number of different areas, but I feel like that, that area specifically, uh, you know, how, how we interact and how we empower and how we educate the parents is a very, very, uh, you know, it, it's an easy area to improve and it's something that we often ignore. And, the, and again, like the scapegoat or the easy button is to just, you know, be like, Hey parents, I'm the coach. You guys sit down, you guys watch your kids and just cheer. I'll handle the rest. Like, no, like give, give them some stuff to work on or, or, or give them some education themselves or give them some responsibility yeah. empower them somehow. And, and, and the whole just parent coach player triangle relationship is very interesting to me. I don't have it remotely figured out. Um, but I'm always curious to just get everybody else's thoughts on that. Cause I know that, you know, even though everybody's situations are different, there's still a lot of parallels, you know, right. uh, be- between all of it. And I think, again, I think coaches are going to hear what you said right now and, and they're going to be nodding along and they're be like, yeah, like, <laughs> I-, I have the same volleyball players. <laughs> yeah. Right. I just think it's super important just to keep the lines of communication open. Like the only rule that I have where I'm like, we're not talking is 
after games. Like I need a 24 hour like downtime because I need to process what happened. Like this weekend, one of my teams lost the state championship in PKs and a parent wanted to talk right after. And I was like, like, no, (laughs) this is not like, I understand you want to talk like, and it was just a conversation like, Hey, I understand you want to talk, but this is not the time and place. Like I need to process what just happened. I'll call you tomorrow. And they understood they're like, yes, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. But like, so that's like my only hard rule I have about when it comes to communication. Like I need 24 hours to process, especially after a game, like what happened on Sunday, like we fought and we battled and it was incredible. And I was so proud of our girls for getting to that point, but losing MPKs, like it's a, it's gut wrenching when your players put their heart and soul into a game. And that's the way you lose. Like it's, gut-wrenching and there's time to process and like even me as a coach I'm like well what did I do wrong how could I fix it what could I have done better and then they're like hey I have a question I'm like whoa whoa no so that's like a hard no like 24 I get 24 hours because I need to process so that I can provide you all the best information possible and so but other than that like having those open lines of communication like I'll go down to the lobby if we're out on, on a away trip and like parents be like hey can I can I ask you a question I'm curious yeah like let's sit down over breakfast and have a chit chat like I'm totally fine with that but I feel like there's a lot of coaches that can be pretty closed off like I'm the coach they're my players done where like these are their their kids like they're your babies like you want to know as a parent what you can do to help or what is my kid doing wrong how can I help you help them if we just have those open lines of communication, like it really does change your interactions, even within the players and the team, like, cause you never know, like little Susie may be going home and telling mom and dad what a little bit of the conversation you had with her, but not in the time manner that you may have wanted it to come across. So the lines can get crossed where if all of y'all are on the same page, mom, dad, and little Susie and coach are on the same page. And this is what I said. This is how I said it. That just helps parents help you help their kid to make them the best that you're trying to make them to be, not only as a player, but as a person as well, which I think is huge. So we have to like engage those parents and be okay having those conversations, which is not always easy, but coaching isn't always easy. It's just part of the job and you've got to embrace that part. And it actually works wonders when you do. Not that I have it all figured out because trust me, I do not but it's been super beneficial for me the past few years that I've started kind of engaging with parents and not just shutting myself off as I'm the coach. These are my players, bring them to games, bring them to practice by, but having conversations. So I think it's a big area of improvement and I still need to get better at it, but the coaching population in general, I feel we need to be better at engaging the parents and keeping them involved because they can be your biggest advocate. Like I know, David and y'all's podcast again I just listened to it so it's fresh in my head but talking about how your parents are your biggest advocates if you can have that relationship like you want them to have that relationship with you because they're going to advocate for you and your club and the things you do and it doesn't work if you don't ever have those conversations I had two thoughts that popped into my head as you were as you were talking and the first one was coaches well I guess I'll, I'll say for myself I'll, I'll use myself as an example and if somebody nods along to this I, I would be you know interested to to know that they're in the same situation 
I failed to realize for, for quite a while that I was in charge of somebody's number one priority in life, meaning their kid. So right. I, I, I didn't connect that dot for, for quite a while. I, was a, I started out as a very young coach, 19 years old. Um, I'm only 31 now, and I don't think you know, I still remember that uh, enough. Uh, right. that I don't connect that dot. And so when I'm in charge of somebody's number one priority, and if I, if I realize that and I, and I use that lens to evaluate their reactions or their questions or their comments or things like that, everything starts to make a little bit more sense. And then how I react to that or how I comment about that or how I ask questions in return suddenly changes. And then so my second thought was, I'm not only in charge of someone's number one priority, I'm in charge of 15 people's number one priority or 18 people's number one priority. Um, or sorry, time, times that by two because there's two parents in the household a lot of times. So, you know, that, that uh-huh. looking at it through that lens, you know, all of a sudden makes that idea of building a wall between you and the parents just this ridiculous, you know, idea. Like, why would you want to shut down the communication uh, our lines of communication between you and the parents when you look at it through that lens of, you know, that is their number one priority is their, is their kid. And they want to know, they're curious about what you're teaching at practice and, you know, what you're saying, how you're acting, things like that. I don't want to get into like um, necessarily, you know, the, the, <laughs> the words you're using and how you're acting. That's not where <laughs> I'm trying to go with this. But, you know, as far as information goes, they're curious about what their kids are learning at practice. Yeah, and, 100%. And, and they want to be engaged and they want to know, you know, what's happening at practice and how that's going to help them on the field on, on, on Saturdays and Sundays. So it took me a long time to realize that. And I don't know if other people think about it like that or, or are in that same boat. I'd be really curious to find out. Um, I'd be curious to find out if it, your reaction to that too. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I kind of always knew that not always, let's be honest, like the past few years since I've gotten into the parent engagement thing that like that is their one number one priority. But when you said like you're in charge of 15 to 18 number one priorities, like that's a pretty heavy burden. Like I never really put all of that together. Like that just connected a big dot for me because that's pretty huge. So I coach three teams. So that's a lot of number one priorities (laughs) you're having to deal with. Like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of weight to carry around and not to have those open-ended conversations where you can have those relationships. That's a lot of number one priorities. Like when you put it that way, like, wow, like we have a big responsibility as coaches because that's a, that's a lot. Yeah. It's really a lot. It is. And, and there was another thing that popped into my head as you were talking earlier I think you you mentioned you were having the conversation with the volleyball coach and the parent and the player and you and and the thought that popped in my head was yeah times that by 18 or you have three, yeah. or you have three teams so times that you know by 3 and and how much time you're investing away from the field and and you know you can break it down I'm sure with your with your paycheck of you know how many pennies on on the hour you're getting with all the with all that stuff Um, but it's a, it's a big, it's a big investment on all sides, the player, the parent, the coach. And I think, you know, a better understanding for everybody of the total environment is, is 
you know, something we should all be aiming for, how we go about that or how we accomplish that is, you know, a conversation that we, we should probably have more often to, to try to get better solutions to those problems. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent with that. All right. Well, we're already 20 minutes over from what I told you, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, I don't know if we accomplished anything other than having a pretty cool conversation. I mean, I just really like talking soccer. It's always like relieving to talk to just even people you've never really met. Like I know you via Twitter and like things that like you post, Gary post, whoever else may post like out in the soccer community, like finally getting to have those conversations like real time, real life. Like it, maybe we didn't get anything accomplished, but maybe somebody whoever listens to this, like takes something away and we made an impact somewhere, which is always pretty cool. Like I took some stuff away myself, like listening to you talk back to me about certain things. Like, so I'm cool with it. Hopefully somebody else takes something away too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Um, I want to make sure that I ask you the question I ask everybody though. So Oh, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I was talking about this the other day with somebody I was getting coffee with. Actually, a, a kid, a local university student, uh, hit me up on Instagram and and asked, like, "Hey, man, i I see that you, I see that you have a podcast. I want to start a podcast of my of my own. Can can you give me some pointers?" And and I was like, "Yeah, sure. Let's go get coffee, and I'll I'll talk with you." And we were talking about question asking, and I and I kind of told him how I used to do interviews where I would do, you know, massive research and I would go into the interview with like 15 questions that I wanted to ask. And at the end of it, I would ask like three and I'd be like, what the (laughs) hell do we talk about for, for an hour? Like I didn't get to ask anything I wanted. And so I really just, you know, threw away the, the, the question script and I only kept, now I've narrowed it down to just one question that I like to ask everybody so I can, you know, go back and, and see everybody's different takes on this one question. And I really, really enjoyed it. And what I've noticed, and you just you just confirmed it, is that you know people that I've had on the show that actually listen to the show look forward to answering the question, which is pretty cool. So, um, so what do people need to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was driving back from Jacob yesterday. I was like, he's going to ask that question because he ends all the podcast <laughs> that question. And I have like 800 different things I want people to know. Um, but the biggest thing for me lately that even I still need to know um, is that it's okay to struggle. Like struggle is where you grow. Struggle is where you get stretched. Struggle struggle makes you so much stronger and it makes you so much smarter because you have to learn to live in that struggle and to conquer that struggle. And it can be the smallest little things as a coach of, struggling with things in practice like how are you gonna fix it but be okay struggling like everything's not perfect we're not perfect they their struggles daily and it's okay to struggle because in the end you're gonna come out smarter you're gonna come out stronger than you ever thought you were gonna know because you struggled and you were okay with it and you didn't let it bother you you didn't let it freak you out so that's for me it's been huge the past year is just be okay in the struggle. Like, yes, sometimes it hurts and sometimes it's frustrating, but when you can look back a week, two weeks, three months and see where you've come because you were facing that struggle head on and you learned about it and you learned about yourself in that struggle, you're such a better person, smarter person, stronger person 
on the other side of it because of it. That's a life lesson, Kat. You just gave everybody a life lesson. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but that's what people <laughs> need to know. Exactly. That's my need to know. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. It could, because you can take that and you can apply it to soccer. You can definitely apply it to coaching. You could apply that to the players. Um and and you can apply that to any any situation, your job, your school, whatever. Like it 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 is truly a life lesson that you know. It, it it's it's very very important for people to remember that at all times. I guess is the yep. the best way to put it. And it's way easier to say like, "Hey, remember this," than it is like when you're facing it. But I have a sticky note that I have in my truck that says, "Struggle makes you stronger." So when I do go through struggles, whether it's personal life, coaching life working out life, like whatever it is, like, I know I'm going to be stronger because I'm in that moment and I'm struggling in that moment. Man, so. that, that just, that just made me realize we didn't even talk about your triathlete tag that you have on your, oh, on your Twitter thing. I <laughs> uh, <am>. <laughs> <laughs> where, uh, where can people connect with you? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter. It's coach cat and it's cat with the K. So coach cat one eight is my Twitter handle. Um, I'm on Instagram as well under coach cat. Um, uh, I love talking shop. I love talking soccer. I love picking other people's brains. So please feel free to reach out, DM, follow. I'll follow you back because I love engaging in conversation. Coach Cat one eight. That's me. All right, cool. Uh, all right, all good. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, that was fun. I uh, enjoyed. Yeah. I enjoyed talking to you and and getting to uh getting to put a voice i guess with the with the twitter name no face yet but (laughs) maybe one day Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And a big thank you to Kat Nichols for coming on the show and opening up about a number of different topics that we as coaches all need to be more open and honest about. I hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation. If you would like to connect with Kat, I provided a link to her Twitter account in the write-up of this podcast, which is available on 343coaching.com. And that is also where you can check out the programs that help to support and fund this podcast. Kat is a member of one of those programs, and a number of you, I'm sure, have already taken this step forward and join one of those programs but if you have not you can find out more by visiting 343coaching.com there's a ton of information there for you videos ebooks more podcasts all kinds of stuff so go check it out if you are not already a member and if you are still on the fence about becoming a 343 coaching education member here is a testimonial from tom buyer about his experience with one of our online programs and i can tell you after someone who's done a lot of coaches education both as a student as an instructor that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course because the, the one thing that I liked about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense. And it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop. Um, not just, you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. 
Once again, you can find all of that information by visiting 343coaching.com. That number is 343, the word coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right, we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.